This is the Morning Sports Desk for Thursday, August 25th. All right, I'm going to give you the chance just right out of the gate. All right. You want a bombs away segment on the Minnesota Twins? The floor can be yours for the next 13 minutes if you want. Uh, well, I don't want to use up the whole time because then it's just going to get depressing. But I'll use a little bit here. All right. Uh, the Twins are a mess right now. Uh, they've lost five in a row after a week ago. We thought some confidence was pretty high. They'd won four games in a row, and then they proceed to lose five straight. They're four games back at the Cleveland Guardians in the American League Central. Forget about the wild card. That's out of reach. Uh, so, not good. Not good again. Not great, Bob. Uh, whatever word you want to use, it has not been good for the Minnesota Twins. And I think there's a couple different things we can point to to why they're this bad right now. One, they have no ability to hit with runners in scoring position. And Corey, I had a chance to look a little bit deeper into the numbers because I wrote I wrote something uh, about the Twins not having any clutch. I, I likened it to, to a 1957 Chevy Bel Air. It's a nice car. You have a lot of good things, but your clutch is so bad that it's ruining the entire car. And that's essentially how bad the Twins have been with runners in scoring position really ever since June 1st. The Twins have a good on-base percentage. They're actually top seven in baseball in getting guys on base. They're top ten in home runs, and they create runs at a top ten pace. The issue has been when they get runners in scoring position, they can't bring them home. And that's been an issue all season long. It's gotten very worse since June 1st. Uh, they're one of the worst teams in baseball. Uh, out of any team that's above 500 competing for the postseason, the Twins are dead last in almost every category. Batting average with runners in scoring position. On base percentage with runners in scoring position. Uh, basically, they just aren't able to get the job done. Now, they are able to... They don't strike out a ton in those situations. And they... So I guess... It, and they get a... What I'm trying to say is they get guys on base... And then they get up to the plate and they're just not hitting the ball well. It's not that they're striking out too much. It's not that they're trying to hit too many home runs. They make so much weak contact in these situations that they're just unable to do anything. I mean, last night the Twins did what they did for the second night in a row, decided not to score any runs, or at least they only scored one, until the the top of the ninth inning. They get two on, nobody out, a run already scored, and after almost grounding into a double play they hit into another double play. And earlier in the game, they, uh, I believe it was like in the third or fourth inning, they had two on, nobody out. They get a run on a sacrifice fly, and then strikeout, strikeout, they leave Jorge Polanco on second base. So the point is the Twins have left so many runs out on the field that it has just been, there's the pitching has figured itself out enough. I know the pitching wasn't spectacular yesterday, but in most of the games over the last week and even over the last month, let's say, Twins pitching hasn't really been the issue. It's been the fact that the bats can't come up in big spots. It's the equivalent of football of always getting into the red zone but never being able to score a touchdown. Sure, you might be able to score a field goal every once in a while. You might be able to get a sacrifice fly if you're the Twins and score a run. But then when the other team counters with a crooked number... You have nothing to try and, and counter back to that. And the same thing in, in football, you can't kick field goals all game and expect to win. And that's the way it's been for the Minnesota Twins offense as well. Uh, and so I guess that gets into my next point about the Twins, Corey, is where, 
who who if they don't if they don't uh if they don't make the playoffs uh, playoffs don't talk about playoffs you kidding me uh, if they don't make the playoffs Corey, who do you who do we blame for this mess of a second half of the season two thirds of the season I'm looking at fan graphs right now yeah and um the the twins are technically third in the division right now. Um, they are four games back of Cleveland. The White Sox are also four games back, but the White Sox have one more win. They're 63 and 61. The Twins are 62 and 60. Uh, Cleveland, of course, 66 and 56. That is uh, on fan graphs right now as I look at it. I don't know. I would assume it's entirely updated. Um, the percent chance to make the playoffs. Yeah, it's brutal. For the Twins is down to 21.8%. By the way, yesterday it was like 36. Uh, the White Sox at 33.4. Cleveland is at 72.5. The AL Central is a complete mess. Mm-hmm. Cleveland, as I mentioned, is 66 wins. That is the fewest number of wins for a division leading team. In the entirety of Major League Baseball. Yep. As a matter of fact, it's so few wins that every division but the NL Central second place teams have more wins than the first place Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Okay? So uh, the Blue Jays are in second place in the AL East. They have 67 wins. The Mariners have 67 wins in the West. The Braves have 78 wins. The Phillies have 69 wins. They're in third place in the NL East. Um, the Brewers have, or excuse me, I should say the Padres have 68 wins, second place in the NL West. The Brewers, 65, second place in the Central. So they are like a half a game behind Cleveland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the AL Central is a complete, um, what's the opposite of juggernaut? It's uh, the nadir of Major League Baseball right uh, this year. A complete paper tiger. It is competitive amongst the top three, um, but it's not competitive once you you leak outside the division at all. Yeah. So I, who's who's to blame? The same things we've been blaming all year long, right? Um, we at many times have have questioned like who's actually in charge of this team mm-hmm. is Rocco Baldelli making decisions or is this like is he literally printing off algorithms that say uh from the front office that say hey, you pull this guy right now and that's just how it works mm-hmm. is it um uh the offense sputtering basically i mean what the the last two thirds of the season so far? Yeah, you know they were they were pretty rock solid the first third for Up the until most part. On June first, the Twins were on a ninety plus win pace. So is it a matter of like we've talked about like and you talked about a little? They're getting runners on base, but they just don't string hits together. Is it a little bit of that? Pitching has certainly had its woes throughout the uh, throughout the season. Starting pitching seems to be. I mean, there's, there's spots. The starters have been decent at times. The back end has been decent at times. It's the transition between those two, uh, between the starters and the back end of the bullpen that's been rough. There's a, there's a million things. I don't, 
I know this is a cop-out answer. There's like every facet of of a professional organization that could probably right now you could look at and go that could have been could have done a better job there, my guys. And yeah, that a hundred percent correct. And I, and I guess this pulls into the next step in logic is, sh- I mean, Falvey and Levine they're not getting fired. Whatever that's, but. The manager Rocco Baldelli does he is he the fall guy in this situation or do you think the Twins stick with him? I don't necessarily blame Rocco. I know a lot of people blame Rocco Baldelli for the pitching moves and for resting Byron Buxton. Whatever the pitching moves, I mean Baldelli just kind of had to work with who he had in the bullpen. That bullpen was a mess, and that was all the front office who decided that their big additions was thirty-eight-year-old Joe Smith to the bullpen and Emilio Pagan. Those were the Twins' two big bullpen acquisitions in the offseason. So, is do you think Rocco ends up getting fired, or you think the Twins? Do you think the Do you think the Twins end up keeping him? I think they end up keeping him. I do too. He is. He is their. He's their handpicked guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, it's baseball in particular is very different from like Bill Belichick, who just runs the Patriots. Yeah. From, from stem to stern, right? That doesn't, uh, Tom Thibodeau with the Timberwolves, like, ran that organization. He was in charge of putting players in. He was in charge of utilizing those players on the court. Um, it's often been argued that Major League Baseball managers have the least involvement in the day-to-day operations of the success of their team. And more so now than ever. I think we mostly, I think mostly everyone agrees with that by now. There's a reason they're called managers and not coaches. Sort of, if you want to look at the definition of that. Um, they, one of the reasons, if you want to be super cynical, that Rocco Baldelli is the coach of the Twins is because the, the, the two-headed monster that is um, Falvey Levine chose him because he's going to do what they want him to do, right? You're never getting Tony Larusa as a as a, a weird one-off example to coach the Twins with this particular set of uh, administrators on top of it because Tony Larusa is like. He's going to do what he thinks he needs to do as a, he's going to do a little more coaching than managing. Joe Madden, Buck Showalter, those kind of managers, they're not coming in to listen to what the front office says the lineup should be. Right. Yeah. Rocco Bildelli is the handpicked option. He's, he's a, like the conduit that's just relaying the information. Rocco Baldelli is a middle manager, not so much a manager. He's a middle manager for the front office, conveying what the front office wants for the team. And he's a Tampa Bay guy. He came, he was a base coach for Tampa Bay up until the twins hired him. And the twins have kind of tried to model themselves as a Tampa Bay light kind of front office. All that being said, you can't just take the entire roster out behind the barn. Yeah. And get rid of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If this thing continues to implode, sorry, dude, it's the manager. Yeah. Like that's, it is, he is, he is going to be the fall guy. That it's really, there's no one else that can be. Right. Unless, unless ownership decides we need to start completely over. And ownership is never in a huge hurry to make any move. Well, I mean, 
the poll ads were the ones that said in 2021, Falvey and Levine were, did an A-plus job. So I don't think he's necessarily ready to fire anybody quite yet. The team was still competitive enough. The Twins will blame injuries, and they have a solid case to do that. Royce Lewis, Alex Kirilov, Trevor Larnick, all three guys they got they were expecting to get major contributions from have not contributed. Chris Paddock had Tommy John surgery. Jorge Alcala was a big bullpen piece who really didn't... Like, Alcala and Paddock didn't get past April for the Twins this season. So they could sit back and they can blame injuries and say we'll be competitive again next year. But the problem is you had Carlos Correa this year. There's a good chance he doesn't come back. Mm-hmm. This was an all and you bought at the deadline. And I know the Twins Mali and Lopez are under team control for next season, so it's not a complete wash, but you still bought for this season to try and compete. And that didn't happen. And I I don't know. I just think for this collapse, a collapse this epic, the Twins have spent one of the most, they've been one of the teams that spent the most days in first place this season. For them to lose the division and possibly finish even under 500 if they don't turn things around. It, they're going to have some major questions to answer, if not by ownership, at least Twins fans and the media and all that. I will say this, if it is going to be a collapse, at least it's been like a really slow burn. Like, yeah. it, like it hasn't happened overnight. It's been coming for a long, long time. It's not like they lost it all. They're going to lose it all in September. Also, by my count, 40 games left When if you include tonight's game. Yeah. They're only four games back. And they play a bunch of games against the AL Central uh, in September. Yeah, October. they're four games behind a team that only has 66 wins, which wouldn't even be good enough for second place in any other division but one. Yeah. So I still think it's... I still think it's there for them. Uh, as far as like firepower and star power and whatever, I think the Twins have the most yeah. in this division. So, you know, try not to suck for the last six weeks. Uh, you're setting the bar so high, Corey. I got to go. All right, there goes Corey. This has been the Morning Sports Desk for Thursday, August 25th. Here's the lowdown on lowering bad cholesterol from Lecvio. Lowering bad cholesterol is hard, but you could do hard. You live through five fad diets, 11 sleep training nights, nine mediocre middle school recitals, one heart attack. And with Lectio, you can lower your bad cholesterol and keep it low with two doses a year after two starter doses. Prescription Lectio in glycerin is given by a doctor for people with known heart disease on a statin with diet who need more help lowering bad cholesterol. Common side effects were injection site reaction, joint pain, urinary tract infection, diarrhea, chest cold, pain in legs or arms, and shortness of breath. Results may vary. Learn more at Lectio.com. Or call 1-833-537-8462. Ask your doctor about Lecvio. That's L-E-Q-V-I-O. Lower. Longer. Lecvio.